Before we get into today's episode, we're very excited to thank our first ever podcast sponsor, Grooming Lounge. Grooming Lounge is a brand that John and I have both been fans of for a long time. Uh, they're actually based out of my hometown of Washington, D.C., and uh, groominglounge.com is one of the premier sources for men's grooming supplies. So they carry all the brands you know and love, like Kiehl's and Jack Black and Anthony and Baxter, but they also have their own in-house brand that's also called Grooming Lounge, and the products are fantastic. My favorite Grooming Lounge product is their Best Smeller Body Wash. Uh, it was voted the best smelling body wash by the Huffington Post, so it's aptly named. It's got a kind of classic uh, but contemporary black pepper scent, and it lathers really nicely. It's my current favorite body wash. But they also carry basically everything you need from aftershave to beard moisturizers to cleansers and clones and combs and double-edged razors and really anything else a guy needs to look and smell great. Grooming Lounge also has a physical presence in the Washington, D.C. area. They have two flagship shops, one in Tyson's Corner and one in downtown D.C., uh, and you can get haircuts, beard trims, hot shaves. I actually took my dad to Grooming Lounge a few years ago on Father's Day, and we both got their signature manicure and pedicure, and I gotta say, it was a delightful experience. 10 out of 10 would recommend. So if you live in the D.C. area or if you're traveling through, I definitely recommend checking out one of the Grooming Lounge shops, but no matter where you are, you can go to groominglounge.com slash buttoned up to check out their entire selection of grooming products and supplies. And if you do want to try their in-house brand, you can use the promo code buttoned up to save 15% off your order. So again, you can go to groominglounge.com slash buttoned up to check out their entire selection, uh, including shaving, beard products, skin products, hair care, and body washes. Uh, and if you do want to try out their in-house brand, use the code buttoned up to save 15%. So today on the Button Up Podcast, we are welcoming Greg Smith from a Chalk Mark Style. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. So we always like to talk through having, you know, you are now running a custom suit maker, but we always like to figure out, like, how'd you get to where you are today? Well, that's a great question. So I started in menswear at Men's Warehouse uh, when I was 18 years old. Uh, thought it was a good kind of opening point for me with menswear. Uh, great place to work, great place to start, but uh, was limited in, in what I wanted to do. Um, my, my dad actually bought custom suits from Tom James for, you know, 15 years. And I saw all that. I saw how that process worked and I thought it was fascinating that, that they came to the customer, uh, rather than my dad having to go into a retail shop. And, uh, so after a few years of working at men's warehouse, I decided to apply to work for Tom James and, and, uh, I was told I was a little too young. So I, I went and worked for a different company company that was a direct competitor called Astor and Black and uh, went after their business. So <laughs> here in Salt Lake City. And so after that, I, you know, I worked with Astor and Black for a couple of years. Uh, they unfortunately went under in, in 2013. Um, and I went to work for a couple other companies until we started Chalkmark. So. so growing uh, up for you, was suiting always, was it like your Sunday best sort of thing? Or was it very much, you know, important to, you know, it sounds like your dad was, was a little more informed on suiting than than most yeah i mean i don't know about that but <laughs> my dad was an accountant he had to wear suits every day uh so he you know i think he got introduced to tom james at a, a pretty early point in his career and and started buying from them at at 
he was no by no means a high roller. He was buying at their lowest level, but uh, um, you know wanted to look nice uh, for his for his clients. So uh, Tom James has a really great uh, a really great method that I think a lot of people have copied in that they they bring your fabric books around and and uh, will sell you right there in your office and then bring it and deliver it to you. And nobody else had really done that concept. It was, you know, when you were buying custom suits, you generally went into the shop and had to, had to be measured there and, and, and fit up there. And there's still a lot of shops that do that. Um, but we've always loved that concept that uh, we make it easy for you to buy clothing. So uh, Tom James did a really good job with that, and I've just tried to kind of mimic that. Okay. Uh, with so, so you spent a few years, like, act, like on the road, hitting the pavement, carrying the, carrying the case, really like learning the ins and outs yeah, of I mean, that industry. Frankly, that's, yeah, frankly, that's still what I do. Uh, you know, with Chalkmark, we, we've tried to have a wide variety of clothing that we carry, but it's still back to the bread and butter of we come directly to you. Uh, you pick out your cloth, we take 38 measurements, and we build out clothing from there. So uh, it's, it's a pretty unique process, but uh, also, I guess not that unique in the same because there's other companies that do it. So. <laughs> well, yeah. So as you're doing Astro and Black, though, like, how how long are you there where you start to say like this is something I could do on my own as my own entity? So I was with Astro and Black for almost two years before they went under, and was doing pretty well there. Uh, kind of got the basic gist of how things needed to work, and it was right when they were going under that I was starting to think of doing our own thing. My wife and I had started Chalkmark already and she was actually just hand making pocket squares. So it was kind of a, a side business that went with Astor and Black. So Chalkmark's been around for a while. It was just uh, a different, a different thing at that point. But, uh, it was, I worked for a company called Elevate after Astor and Black. Uh, they're a big custom clothing company out of Los Angeles. Uh, and it was shortly after, you know, after Astro and Black, I was there for maybe a year that I started thinking, okay, here's here's the time I need to do my own thing. So, um, you know, pretty much 2015, we started on our own, and and uh, it was a wild wild ride starting our own thing, but it's been pretty fun since. So, uh, you know, we we've got uh, more clients. So we were based in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I've got more clients outside of the state of Utah than I do in. Uh, cause there's, there's a, there's always a need for custom apparel. So I'm just going where I can get the business. So it seems like by, by the time you guys officially jumped, jumped into Chalkmark full time, there's a lot of like online competitors popping up, you know, that are doing the submit your own measurements and then we'll make a suit and send it to you. So did, you know, what do you think about that segment of the industry? And did, did you see that and think that, wow, there's, you know, there's a lot of competition out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was, uh, I've never really competed with the online marketplace because we've, we've been word of mouth, uh, more than anything. And, and just this year we we've been trying to push into that online marketplace. Uh, we've worked with a lot of Instagram influencers to wear our, wear our clothing and, and promote us. And, and, you know, it's different, it's a completely different world when you're buying custom clothing online. Uh, I think that it's a market that absolutely needs to be taken advantage of. And we've tried to develop a method that makes it, I guess, easier for people to do that because I mean, you guys know better than most that the the methods out there aren't foolproof. Uh, usually when you buy custom clothing online, the first go is not fit the way that you want it. 
unless you have a very standard 42 regular build. So you're talking to the tallest and the shortest guy in the uh, menswear <laughs> influencer space. And so <laughs> we both know the struggles right. of, of off the rack. Yeah. But so yeah when you buy you... online, when you buy online, excuse me. So when you buy online, it's, you know, at least the people that I've worked with, you buy it and you expect that you're going to have to remake it with the company that you're buying from. And I think that those companies probably build that into their margins a little bit as well. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think, I think most of them have either some sort of guarantee or, uh, you know, tailoring credit, you know, so they'll reimburse you for that, that stuff that they hope you can fix locally. Yeah. So we've tried to develop it into a, into two different sections online where we do uh, a made to measure. We'll, we'll send out a, a, a fit sample in our, in our, our pattern. Uh, and have the guy just send us a bunch of pictures, take a couple measurements off of that made-to-measure jacket, uh, off of that fit sample, I mean, and then we'll make them a jacket to that those measurements, which we've we've done successfully many many times. Um, the other thing we call semi-bespoke, which is uh, we have them take a handful of measurements, but the unique thing that we do is we make them a fitting suit, and it's not like a, it's not a basted fitting; it's it's completely finished garment. Um, we obviously will check your measurements and, and adjust as needed based on the pictures you send us. Um, our tailors are pretty confident in their ability to, to make a garment based on pictures and they do a very good job at it. So we do this fitting sample and, uh, and they, they try it on, take a few pictures and we adjust from there and it usually comes back pretty freaking awesome. So <laughs> we're trying to take a unique stand. Yeah, we don't make as much up front, but we want you as a client, you know, for, for a long, long time. So we're willing to take a little bit, obviously a little bit less on the front end to get your pattern down and make sure that you love the garment. Um, so that in the future you can just order immediately and, and you can guarantee that it will fit right. At what so, point, at what point do you, does it go from you and your wife doing chalk mark into, okay, now I got to bring on some extra help, some tailors, maybe a salesperson. Like what was that trajectory for you? <laughs> Right now, you know, my wife and I are handling the majority of this. She runs the the back end, and I'm out there selling clothing. And uh, we we brought on a couple of people to to sell in person and and uh, to to limited success. And that I think that you know it's fi finding salespeople is is one of the toughest things I think I've ever done. Uh, just just from a business standpoint, there are a lot of companies out there that will offer a salary, uh, which I I just can't do in a startup phase. You know, I can offer them a straight commission. Which, if there's go-getters, they'll go do it. And uh, I think we have a couple right now that are that are in that in that go-getter mood, and, and I think will do well for us. Uh, our our goals for expansion are are uh, not we're not just limiting to Utah. Obviously, we want to be you know building out in the in the Northwest and the, in the Southwest and try to build the West Coast out a bit and compete with some of these bigger brands. Obviously, we're on that we're on the beginning end of that, but I think we can do it. Uh, we've got a we've got a framework in place to be able to make it pretty simple for that. So, when when you think of expansion, are you thinking mostly of selling formal wear to more guys, or selling different types of clothes to some of the same guys? Because like you see, some of the made-to-measure companies offering polos and chinos and even t-shirts and stuff. So, is is that something you're thinking about? Yeah, I mean, in our in our sales kit, we have polos, we have t-shirts that are all custom-made. Uh, we have custom denim, everything. So it's it's not just limited to. I think we would be foolish if we just stuck with suits and sport coats. Uh, it's just not the way that the world's going anymore. Most most offices are 
at least business casual. Uh, you don't see a lot of offices anymore that are suits only. Um, so we're, we're trying to, you know, branch out as much as we can, but, uh, have sales guys who can go into offices or homes and be able to provide everything that the guy would need. So he doesn't have to go to the store. So do you find, do you find that, uh, for yourself and also your sales salespeople, like that it takes a lot of explaining like education to get people to, to understand the value of custom or do most guys just get it by now? Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty saturated now. I think a lot, if, if you're looking for, you know, well, well-made suiting, it's generally custom. Uh, you know, I, I think that it takes some explanation, but I'm all about trying to keep it as simple as possible and provide the value. And, you know, we're, we're not looking to, uh, just sell you a suit and get out of there. We're looking to sell you a, a product that's going to fit you better than anything you've ever had before. And then, and then, you know, re- retain you as a customer, not just not just a one-time turn and burn situation. So, uh, in order to do that, I think we have to have more than just suits and sport coats. <laughs> we have to have everything. So, so in the, Brock had mentioned earlier about the online competitors popping up around you know 2015. I feel like even then was was maybe early days, but it felt pretty big. What is it yeah. about that 2010 to 2016 period where it seems like not only did Indochino really grow and you know all the online companies pop up but it seems like there's also a lot of guys doing something similar to you where you're going out and you're you know you're sourcing your own stuff and then you have your your sales team like I'm, I'm always curious to figure out what is it behind that time period that brought all these uh, options for custom out there because when I started looking for clothes in 2010 for my first office job like just go to the mall. It didn't seem like there was that much out there, but today it's so accessible and it's so available. Sure. I mean, honestly, you look at it and even, even companies like men's warehouse and you know, they, they own Jose bank, but both of those carry custom clothing now. And they're, you know, they're trying to compete in this already saturated marketplace. I'm, I'm, I could never tell you exactly what's brought this on other than people's awareness of how they look. Uh, I think the online marketplace particularly made it easy for people to buy a custom suit for a relatively decent price and, and show up to the office looking better than the majority of the people there because those people have been uh, buying suits from Jose bank off the rack for years. You know Um, I think that at least here in Utah, you know, I started selling custom suits in 2011 and when I started, it was me Beckett and Rob Tom James and one other company called HM Cole. That was about it. Selling custom clothing. Um, now there's probably 15 companies selling custom suits here. Uh, so I think that's, I think that's pretty indicative of the rest of the country as well. It's, it's just kind of become saturated. It's weeding out the ones that are uh, going to fit the best and be constructed the best. That, uh, I think the customers need to pay attention to. So the best, the, the cheapest suit is not always the best suit. Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit of like technology enabled people to reach out to manufacturers and then Instagram made people realize that you could dress really well and then, yeah, like men's warehouse offering that sort of stuff. And then, you know, Indo- Brock and I have mentioned before, like Indochino feels like the Joseph A. Banks of custom. It's like there's going to be one Absolutely. company that's huge that's kind of like the Kleenex, the shorthand for, for custom. And that's really what Indochino has become as they've expanded, mostly by function of how much money they've raised. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Indochino, you look at Oliver Wicks, who's a who's an up and comer in that field. And then there's, you know, those are the kind of the the opening price point, the middle price point. And then you've got articles of style 
that's up at the top there on the online threshold that's you know pretty pretty much what i'm selling garments for you know what i mean in, in person and they they have their in-person operation in manhattan that i'm, I'm sure does the majority of their business but um it's a wide, wide variety of things. And I think Indochino got people so used to this inexpensive garment that it's taking a little bit for the more expensive ones to, uh, I think to, um, you know, really take off. Uh, I think Oliver Wicks has done a good job of that middle price point. Uh, I think they do pretty well and I think they make a pretty decent garment. Yeah. I've, I've been pretty happy with all of my Oliver Wicks stuff. I think it might just be that their, their in-house cut just tends to work for me, but it's funny. I actually went to, I was just in a wedding in, um, in Dublin and we had, I was a groomsman and we had probably five or six groomsmen coming from all over the States. And Indochino is, is unique in that they, they have a sort of like critical mass because the, the groom was asking like, where should we get suits? And I was like, I couldn't think of anything else besides Indochino that people in different cities could go get measured in person. These are guys who aren't going to submit their own measurements, you know? And I really couldn't think of any other brands that we could go custom, except for maybe Suit Supply, but that's a higher price point. So I do feel like Indochino is almost, even though there's so much competition, they're almost one of the only options for multiple cities. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the more people realize that, you know, any any custom tailor, it just depends on the money they want to spend, but any custom tailor will travel. Uh, you know, I've, I've got clients all over the country that I travel to meet with. Um, it just depends on whether they're willing to spend the money. You know, it's, it's like we talked about earlier. Indochino's garment is, is, is the quality is great for the price. Uh, they've gotten, obviously they've gotten a little more expensive with some of their product, but you know, for example, all of our garments are full canvas. We don't sell a half canvas garment. Um, you know, we, we, the only, we sell a lighter full canvas garment if people want it lighter, but I'm a, I'm a huge proponent that you need those things in a, in a well, uh, made garment you need that full canvas structure um and yeah i think i think indochino offers that so does oliver wicks but they they charge a little bit more for it we just decided we didn't want to offer anything less than that so it, again it's for weddings like that it's just dependent on the price point but indochino really kills it uh because they can offer it anywhere in the anywhere in the world really mm-hmm. so yeah now as you were going and, and kind of building chalkmark was there a point where you just had to decide okay i want to do like Italian fabrics and Italian construction or choosing between Asia and some of the things offered there? Like, what was that process like? Well, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm coming from a very conservative place in Utah. Uh, people are super thrifty. There are some incredibly wealthy people here, but they're all thrifty. Uh, so having those Asian cloths available was a necessity. Uh, so we, you know, we started selling suits at six ninety five, which we still offer for our made to measure line. Uh, I had to have those available because frankly, that's just Utah. Uh, now we've been, we've been, uh, able to meet with a lot of different clients that are, you know, far more wealthy that have kind of opened up that, that line of Italian and British cloth that, you know, I've always wanted to be the staple of our garment. And I think it is now, uh, that semi bespoke and our, even our full bespoke garment that's, uh, you know, that we're currently in the process of, you know, uh, showing on the website, but it's, 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 a far better garment and frankly, a far better experience. Um, you know, when, when Italian cloth is put mixed with high end inner linings and interfacings and everything else, it's just a better garment. The Chinese have gotten better at making their cloth, but it's still not up to that level. So I think you have to have a, a, 
a mixture of the two in order to provide you know as much business as you can but our main staple is that italian and british cloth i think just like every other larger custom clothing operation that's that's in the same mindset so well, what do you think the future of full bespoke is do you think that's just a slowly dying thing or there'll always be a, a luxury market for that man i wish it wasn't dying but it it kind of is you know you, you there's a there's actually a a great operation that's opening up in dallas called the american bespoke uh, tailoring school something along those lines that's trying to train tailors because there there's a need for it there's obviously business there uh, but it's in the bigger cities uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to create kind of a uh, a hybrid if you will because that full bespoke people love that stuff I, I met with a customer yesterday who it's i mean i did a full bespoke fitting for him and he was just over the moon about it you know there are guys that love this process of of doing a a, a basted fitting and having two to three fittings before you get the final garment um it's it's kind of gone by the wayside because of mass manufacturing but i think there's still a need and and a desire for it uh, among those who can afford it. So I think that yes, in the big markets, especially, I mean, even now you look at, you look at New York and Huntsman is there, they have a shop in New York, a bespoke tailoring shop. Um, there's a handful of guys that are there making garments in the city. And I would, you know, I aspire to have that in Utah. I think, you know, Utah's maybe too small of a market for it, but I think it's a a niche thing that we could do just fine with. Uh, I've spent the last, uh, four to five years learning from uh, a few different tailors on on jacket construction, pattern making, and, and everything else. So I think we, that makes us a little more uniquely qualified on what goes into a garment. Um, I think eventually we'd love to have that operation here, but having our our factory made garment that's <laughs> done a little more uniquely is, you know, I think the the good hybrid between the two. I just can't take 120 hours to make a suit. You know, I just don't have the time to do that. So. Mm-hmm. How much do you interact with the wider uh, community of people doing this, like the Beck and Robs and somebody else? I mean, do you guys get together as a group, or is it a little bit competitive? I don't think we get together as a group, but you know, through Instagram, you know, or or even just talking in person. I know the guys at Beck and Rob really well. Uh, I respect all of them. I think they do just a beautiful garment, and they've got a huge following uh, on social media. They've they've really built out their nationwide presence, and I think they've done a great job with it. Um, as competitors, I think we all, honestly, and I heard this from one of my competitors, but I, I agree with it. It's it's not necessarily the company, it's the person. Uh, so your, your customer is not looking at the company per se. Most of the time, they're looking at the person they're working with. And uh, some guys like me, some guys like Beck and Rob. Uh, it's not necessarily the garment they're looking at, it's the people. Uh, and I think that's the same in pretty much every other business too. I think when it comes right down to it, they have to look at the garment because if, as much as they like me, then if they don't like my garment, they're going to go somewhere else. So yeah, mixture of the two, I guess. That's, that seems like one of the tough parts about like the quick growth of a company like Indochino is that it all comes down to that showroom experience and who's measuring you, not only their personality, but their competence, you know? And so a lot of guys have bad experiences with that, that last touch, even though they like the brand. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, that's why we, I don't know. That's why I've, I've wanted to not have a showroom. I never have. I, I did briefly with Elevate and I, I hated it. All my clients wanted me to come to them. Uh, it's, it's a much more relationship building business than people think. You know, we're, we're all about 
especially in a market like Utah, I can't afford not to have a relationship with people because my, my returning customers are the majority of my business. Uh, it's not a, it's not a business that you can just work with new people every single time and expect to be successful. You've got to have uh, a recurring sales flow with your, with your clients that love you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, how, how, how important is, is your like online brand, like your social media presence and all that for you? Is, is it kind of a vanity thing or does it actually move the needle? You know, I think it will move the needle. I think it's a, it's a slow process of building because I don't want to build like a lot of brands have. I don't want to buy followers. I don't want to buy likes. I just want to build organically. And, and we've got a great partnership with, uh, with Dapper One. Uh, who's a, he's a huge Instagram influencer and, and much of his following is organic. Uh, I, I mean, I think better than most. And, you know, we, we've worked directly with him. We've milled him, we made him a bunch of garments and we'll continue to do so. And I think building through him and through a few other followers is, is probably our most valuable way of doing it. Uh, I, I've never been a huge proponent for building online because I've wanted our brand to be unique. Uh, and it has been, you know, I've, I've been mostly just a, uh, word of mouth, but the majority of our clients will tell you that they, they love the garment. I hope all of them will, but you know, sometimes they don't tell you. Uh, but I think that that's an important part of building a business. You have to have that following and, and, you know, we're obviously pretty new into that, into that sphere, but, uh, I think we will build as people see the garments and see, you know, what people like about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, you see a lot of brands that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and very little engagement. Yeah. I always wonder how important that is. Obviously there's some intangible benefit when you, when you Google a brand and they have an impressive following, there's some benefit there, but I always wonder how many sales it actually drives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at Beckett and Rob, for example, I think they have over 150,000 followers and that's been huge for them. Uh, I know they're doing trunk shows, you know, all over the country now. Uh, so they're, they're an example of, of, I think a lot of their following started when they first went to PT Omo and, uh, had some huge success there with, with different photographers, you know, different photographers getting their, getting their pictures and, and that helped build out their Instagram following. And then there's other brands that have the same amount of followers and, you know, probably get not a, not, not a ton of interaction on their posts. And I doubt they're driving a lot of traffic, uh, but they bought all their followers. So it looks like they're bigger, but they're actually not. Right. So that's, we're trying to find the balance, I guess. It's all about balance <laughs> in, in suiting and in, and in business, man. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I've had to take a step back and say, okay, I can't focus all my time on this online stuff because the, you know, our, our bread and butter is meeting with people in person. And I think any suiting company will tell you that that is far better than selling online. I mean, there's a reason Indochino's open showrooms because they're finding that they've had to remake so many stinking garments that they, they just would much rather measure somebody in person. Guys who had never done this for a living, they can't measure themselves very well. Mm-hmm. Unless you've started to do it and you've done it multiple times. That's You do it the first time and you've never done it. A half inch makes a big difference. So, I think I've ordered like 14 custom suits and I still can't get it right across all of them. It's like, <laughs> because every company takes it a little bit differently and it's like you can't copy Absolutely. the measurements. It's and it's you're always obvious. overcompensating for the last one, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's why I felt like it's important for us to step into the sphere, but only if we can do it right. I think articles of style has a great, a great, uh, method of doing it. And I think ours 
is, is similar to theirs, a little different, but we both have the same concept here of, okay, I have to make something to try on them first before, before I just make this garment for them. You know, I mean, when you look at dollars and cents, like if I'm making you a Vitaly Barbaris garment, it's going to cost me a significant amount of money. And if I have to remake that garment, I'm not making very much money. Uh, and I can only do that so many times before uh, I, keep, I have to stop doing that. Um, so ours is uh, kind of unique in that we, I mean, we make you this this fitting garment out of, it's just cheap Asian cloth, but it doesn't need to be anything better than that. I mean, we're basically giving you a garment for free, but uh, it helps us hone your fit in. Um, the most important thing with custom suiting is is the fit. The fabric, I think, comes next, but you got to get that fit down. So uh, <laughs> yeah, barring you coming in to Utah or me meeting you in New York City, I can't measure you. Uh, so we've got to figure out a way to get that in between. So, Yeah, definitely a challenge. Well, we, I have a section of the show we do rapid-fire questions where you have like quick one or two-word answers. Are you ready? Yep. Oxfords or Brogues? Oxfords. Morning shower or evening shower? Evening. Your favorite Bond actor? Oh, Daniel Craig for sure. Nice. Cardio or lifting? Uh, lifting. What was the last book you read? Oh, last book I read. <laughs> Classic tailoring techniques for menswear. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I wonder if that's at the library. Oh, there it, it is right there. Chinos, <laughs> uh, no, jeans, last... or trousers? Uh, jeans. No, Spring... no, no. Trousers. trousers, trousers good, yeah, sure. good choice. Spring, summer, <laughs> or fall, winter? Uh, fall, winter. Uh, and for the first suit, navy or charcoal? Navy. And if you're getting in the shower, you want to pump yourself up, what song are you playing? Uh, I listen to a lot of jazz, so. Jazz. <laughs> it's Miles Davis. That's a first. I don't think we've ever gotten jazz for the shower song. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, right? We had lo-fi <laughs> hip-hop cool. once, but jazz is new. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, Greg. You've survived rapid fire. What? Uh, so it sounds like you've, you've got a lot of like blocks in front of you like what are you most excited about in the next 12 months honestly i'm more excited about our full bespoke than i am anything else uh i think we have a great model here of of being able to be that hybrid between you having six fittings at a bespoke tailor shop and uh, and the custom suit that you get from pretty much anybody else so uh, i really hope that starts to take off i think it will i mean we've we've got the following at least organically from our, just from our current customers to be able to do it. So hopefully we can just build that out and, and open up into more markets to provide that. So we'll see. Very cool. We will link Chalkmark style in the show notes and everybody can check out Chalkmark on Instagram. Also Dapper One is Joey Powers. He's a fellow Pittsburgh guy. So always happy to, to hear my hometown yes, he in is. there. So you can check out Joey Powers site for some of the Chalkmark stuff and Greg, good luck. We'll be watching your progress and see how you do. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man. And we will see you next week.